0: Just the two of us this week, welcome to Hand of Pod. To episode 427 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined by English Dan. Good evening. No one else.
1: No, just the two of us. We can make it if we try. We can indeed. By it, a fairly mediocre podcast with a
0: small but dedicated
1: group of listeners.
0: Exactly. Yes. Um, nobody else is here today because I left it a bit late to send the email. And there's not a hell of a lot to talk about. Uh, the First thing to say, the disclaimer, is that we are aware that this is not the best timing that we've ever had for a 100 recording session, because in an hour, hour and 20 minutes, two hours, one hour, when does it kick off, do you know? Uh, Must be half nine, right? Oh, uh... nine. In 50 minutes' time, uh, Boca Juniors kick off at home to Deportivo Cali in their do-or-die Libertadores group final match. Um which they need... Let me just get the standings up before I go into this in too much detail. The situation there is that if Boca win, then they will go through to the next round because Calli are top of the group, a point ahead of them at the moment. And if they don't win, then they'll have to hope... Well, if they draw, then they hope that uh, Always Ready beat... Which not going to happen. Uh, which, given that that match is taking place in San Paulo, and not it's La Paz, not gonna happen, no. ain't going to happen. Um, so basically, Boca need a win. I must say though, Sam, I think this week Deportivo Cali fans have taken the die part of Duoday possibly a little bit too seriously. That's true, yes. yes. Um, it's, it, maybe I didn't quite think that phrasing through <laughs> well enough. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get on to that a little bit later, but essentially, we're probably going to finish recording before we know what the full-time score of that match is, yes. which is a bit annoying, but I'm very much unavailable to record tomorrow because my girlfriend's cousin's getting married. I mean, I really so. hope we're
1: done before that the full time of that game yeah otherwise I don't know that's a whole different problem for exactly. us and for
0: all of you listening exactly Um we do have some good news already though to report for Boca Juniors fans because of course we're recording now so that we can review the finish of the Copa de la Liga Profesional mm. in which Boca have been crowned I think champions of Argentina because no they haven't done the ha- oh, bloody hell yeah. seriously they said at the start of the year they were going to
1: Apparently, no one got around to changing the rules, so it remained a cup.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. Um, So, Boca are not champions of Argentina, then? No. River are are still the the reigning Argentine champions. Boca are the champions of the Copa de la Liga. So, they succeed Colón instead of River. I'd say you couldn't make it up, but some fucking idiots clearly have done Um, in the semi-finals which of course were played after we last recorded uh, Boca and Racing drew 0-0 before Boca advanced on penalties Um, and in in the other semi-final let's just read out the results first of all shall we Uh, Tigre and Argentinos drew 1-1 in a slightly more entertaining match I think it's probably fair to say Um, and Tigre advanced on penalties in the final Boca beat Tigre 3-0 we will go into the final in a little bit. But first of all, down as a Racing fan. A little bit hard done by, maybe, by being taken to, to a shootout? Or... I think so, yeah. I
1: mean, you all know what Bocca are capable of. It was just a proper Bocker cut performance. You know, dig down, uh, put your bodies on the line, everything behind the goal. Don't concede and see where you go from there. And they did the job, I mean... I think Racing can look at probably the first 20-30 minutes where they really were all over Boca. Had a nice chance very early on from Carlos Alcaraz, who's his header. Kind of went very kindly into the arms of Agustin Rossi when I think either side of him you'd probably be looking at a goal. And Thomas Ciancalay was probably the more egregious example kind of shanking a 1-1 one one wide when he just really had to hit the target. Um, then unfortunately for Racing, uh, I think it was, yeah, about half an hour in after a very good half hour, one of the few he's put in this year for Racing, uh, Matias Rojas, uh, picked up an injury and had to go off, and uh, Gago, instead of bringing on like a light-for-light light replacement on kind of the right, the right side of, uh, of attack, what used to be called um, a winger, He brought on another forward um, which kind of threw Racing out of shape Um, Enzo Copetti the big burly annoying forward who'd really been doing a great job getting um, getting in Marcos Rojo's face and it looked like a red card or a horrible mistake was imminent from a guy who's not particularly known for his uh, cool temper Um, but he was forced to go to the right uh, Rojo didn't really have that much to do for the rest of the game and kind of didn't get sent off. Um, And it kind of hamstrung Racing as well because uh, in order to fix it, Gago would either have had to take off Corpeti, who was one of Racing's best players, or take off uh, Javier Correa, who came on, Mm. thereby completely shattering his confidence and... Um, just really breaking one of the football's unwritten rules, right? Uh, about substituting a substitute. Um, so he made the best of it, and for the rest of the game, Racing were on top, but they didn't. They weren't making the the clear chances as they were in the in the first half. Uh, Boca looked fairly comfortable while offering absolutely nothing at the other end. In fact, they didn't register a single shot on target the whole game. Only had two shots at all. Only had two shots in in total. And I think Racing's keeper, Gaston Gomez, must have touched the ball from a Boca boot about six times, seven times, kind of picking picking out a few crosses. Not much more than that. And then he went to penalties. And as we all know, Boca, Cups, penalties, you might as well just go home. Um, yeah, Racing missed two, Boca missed one. Um, and that was it and yeah, I think you knew from there I think it would have been nice if Digre could have made it a real game but I think with that shot of confidence Bocca got uh, they were always odds on to win the final and they did it with with very little fuss right?
0: Yeah indeed they did uh, the other semi-final as I said was rather more entertaining um, I wasn't paying full attention to it so I can't give you as detailed a rundown as Daniel's gave you of the racing match um, but it saw uh, Tigre take the lead very early in the second half uh, through Alexis Castro Gabriel Avalos equalised very late in the second half uh, for Argentinos and then as we've said already Tigre won the shootout actually fairly comfortably they won the shootout 3-1 and mm. um, went through when Nicolas Renier's uh, shot was I about say was saved but he missed it in fact he hit it off target. Um, and then in the final Boca v Tigre I mean as you say it was pretty comfortable. Tigre had played Boca and lost to Boca what two weeks before? three weeks before in the group stage. Uh, barely that it was the last game of the regular season, wasn't it? Yeah. So it must have been two maybe a week two a half, yeah something like two weeks I think. Yeah. Two weeks. Um it was 1-0 to Boca at half-time. It was not really a very good match for the first half. Uh, Boca's goal came through Marcos Rojo from his head, from a corner, right? Or was it a free kick? It was a corner, wasn't it? Um, I think so, yeah. A very good header. With taxi i think so. Yeah, with pretty much the last touch of the first half after a really, as I said, a quite dull first half. Um, and then Tigre started the second half really well. Mm. And were somewhat unlucky to have perhaps... You know they could have been level, the finishing was not that, that good at all. Uh, particularly Matteo Reteghi, who of course scored that goal very early on in the uh quarter, quarter final, 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 final against final River final. To, to get that famous win. Um, he missed, I feel like he missed about five or six, he probably missed like <laughs> two really good chances and one half chance or something like that. Um, but anyway, he'll be kicking himself. And then up popped Frank Fabra. Uh, We've occasionally used the phrase a goal from a different match on this podcast down the years because it's a very common phrase in Argentine football parlance when you've got a pretty dull game or at least a game where one team's completely under the cosh and then someone does something spectacular to get them out from under it. Uh, this might as well have been a goal from a different championship. To be perfectly honest. I thought you were going to say a goal from a different player. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> uh, really spectacular. Um, and talking of different players, I mean, the, the commentators, I don't know which channel you were watching it on, but they were comparing him on TNT with Roberto Carlos Marcelo. Can I make a
1: confession, sir?
0: No. I didn't watch the game at all. Didn't watch the game? Oh,
1: I God. went down to La Plata with Ana and Nahuel, and we went to La República de los Niños. Oh, well, wow. Which okay. is a kids' park. I think it's officially in Cityville, One of my uh, low-key favourite Argentine locality names. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's well, still the this
0: training ground, this.
1: Indeed. It's a very kind of leafy suburb of La Plata with um, a fair bit of money around. Mm. Um, and that was very good. Uh, and I found out that Argentine's claim... I haven't been able to confirm this fact, if anyone has any hard evidence, that... This place, which was opened by Perón in something like 1948, mm. um, was the inspiration for Disneyland. This is the this is the claim made um, that Walt Disney got wind of this place in La Plata. Um, and fair play, it has a castle. It has you know a main street with uh, shops, a fire station, a church. He apparently got wind of this for oh. This would be really a really good idea if I I'd made a city like this and stuck my Disney characters in, went off to California or Florida, whichever came first, and built it. I see. Yeah. So I can't give you much insight on Boca Tigré, but I can give you that wonderful snippet of Argentine mythical trivia, which I
0: found out this week. If any of our listeners are uh, Disney historians and can let us know whether that's correct or just as I suspect, bollocks. Anna um, swears to me,
1: it's true. Please, <laughs> she please swears. Know.
0: I might look it up during yeah. our half time break if I remember. Um, anyway, Fabra's goal was, have you seen it? the goal? <laughs> I, yeah. Only, yeah. I only saw
1: Rojo's goal. You should, we'll have we'll, been we'll all over the place. as well. show but. it to you in a bit. Okay.
0: Uh, it was, it was spectacular. And then Luis Vasquez um, extended or, or cemented or whatever you want to call it, Bocca's victory with four minutes to go. Um, I can't remember that goal. In comparison with Fabra's, unspectacular. Right. Uh, so Boca ran out 3-0 winners. You've all seen the pictures probably of Marcos Rojo having a beer and a cigarette on the pitch after the match now. Um, Worthy champions. They did what they we, had you know, to the, um, do. The tournament, I, I think it's yeah. fair to say I think we did say in fact uh, last week that prior to the knockout stages or last week or t- the week, two weeks ago when we last recorded, that prior to the knockout stages we'd have probably put Bocca at fourth favourite behind Racing and Estudiantes and River given how the group stage yeah. went but,
1: but I think we said from the start no matter how badly Boca were doing mm. they're virtually guaranteed to qualify and they're more likely to not be in in the conversation to win it exactly. because that's
0: Boca basically and as you say once they go to penalties they very rarely the odds so.
1: tilt very much in their favour yeah. remember the last team
0: shootout since Sonse Caldas in the Libertadores final do you know the last team to beat them in the shootout? Montecaldas? No. no. Okay. So Very now, much. Uh,
1: much, much, much more recent. Racing?
0: Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: And uh, Juan Antonio Pizzi in the 2021 Copa Liga Profesional. Oh, okay. So just last year. Just last year. <laughs> Pizzi so kind of out-bockering Boca bo- there by playing even worse, having fewer shots, and then winning on penalties. Thank fuck he's
0: gone. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't that much, but an improbability then. But, but, no, their record is fairly spotless for, for penalties. Um, overall, yes. given that I'm going to assume that we've got this uh, Copa de la Liga format for at least another couple of years, because they're not going to make the top flight any smaller for a little mm. while, are we enjoying it now? We're two years into I
1: thoroughly it. enjoyed it, yeah. I really did. Um, I think this edition, logically, was much better because we have fans. Um, I remember two, the 2021 version was fairly sad because you were playing this kind of fairly, rather meaningless tournament with not very good teams uh, oh, in front of Entity Stadiums. Fans only came back in in the second half of the year. October 2021, if my memory yeah. serves. Um, so that that obviously makes a huge difference, um, especially in the semi finals when you had fans of both teams in both games. I mean, a Racing Boca game. In Lanús, you know, 20,000-ish um, of each uh, of each fan base in the, in the stands. No trouble. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, not quite as impressive um, tigre
0: Argentina in Huracán, but they had a few people there as well. <laughs> it's the most packed I've seen in Huracán Stadium. Indeed, in yeah. In um, fact, it probably is the most people I've seen in Huracán Stadium since I was one of them when Argentinos won the league back in 2010.
1: Very it's possibly, went yeah. Um yeah it just goes to show really. Um, it can be done if those in charge just pull their finger out and, and want uh, away fans in the stadium, even you know the two fans of the two of the biggest teams in Argentina, each having to travel to the game with lots of potential for havoc on the way.
0: Um, but it went off. It was good. Um, so why don't we just do it every week? expenses mm. and also because the clubs don't want it as well
1: I think just no one could be bothered
0: yeah uh, it's a level of apathy there
1: even it still somehow surprises me uh, just the degree but hey um, so that was that. I was actually saying that was a positive thing it kind of turned into a rant but um, yeah I really enjoyed it um, if we're stuck with this many teams in in the top flight which as you say it looks like we are uh, I think it's the best way to start the year. It's, um, um, it should continue, definitely.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd agree, which might surprise some uh, listeners who are used to my ranting about inconsistent <laughs> structures and formats and whatnot. But if it's well, it's not... about making the best of a bad job, isn't it? And exactly, this format yeah. is entertainment. And the other thing is that I'd quite deliberately ask the question are we enjoying it, rather than would we like to see Argentine football look like this every season for the next 15 no, years? No, no, not every uh, season. Ideally, I would like a European or a Brazilian-style home-and-away league, mm-hmm. which, from what I understood, wasn't the most popular move when it was brought in in Brazil in, what, 2004 or something, and is now very well-established indeed, and has raised the level of the Brazilian top flight. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Although um, Brazil has some problems. Um, there's been, a, indeed, there's been yeah. talk about recently about a breakaway with... Uh, Six of the top clubs. I couldn't name all six off the top of my head, but I know the Flamingo and Palmeiras are in there at mm-hmm. least. Um, kind of looking to bring in a Premier League style um, administration. Would
0: uh-huh. that be the right word?
1: Uh, and of course, Brazilian football has the immense problem of the uh, of the state leagues, um, which just add you know twenty fairly yeah. meaningless games every year to the big clubs and they end up playing, I think Palmeiras last year played something like 70 games a season, which
0: um, which is unsustainable as well. No, totally uh, not. not uh, entirely different reasons, you know. I'm not recommending Argentina, yeah. that Argentina goes back to provincial championships as well. It could be interesting. Um. <laughs> but, you know, How you say it, as, as a format for, yeah. for a competition... Does this one provide entertainment? Yes. yes. It's probably not the way that I would choose to decide who the champions of Argentina get to be. But then again, for as long as I have been following Argentine football, that hasn't been the format that has been in place anyway. Um, so there we go. And this, you know, it does provide good entertainment. Yes. It provides some very good matches. Absolutely. Um, and it, you know, gives you something to carry on playing for and watching for until the end of the campaign. It is very, very Argentine that they decide after, what was it, after the end that they announced the Boca weren't actually champions? It must have been yes. the final. Uh, I think it was only finally confirmed after. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just ridiculous. Uh, but the, the league season that is starting next weekend, we've just realised, I thought there was a two-week gap, but they announced the fixtures today and there's only a one-week gap, uh, will be the Championship of Argentina. Now, uh, rather than a team of the tournament, I was just or rather to than seriously that. discussing a team of the tournament, Dan, I'm going to uh, show you slash read to you the uh, SOFA scores All right, team of the season so far, or team of the Copa de la Liga, uh, which has, is, is it Gaston Gomez in goal?
1: Gaston Gomez. Uh, Chile, dressing. if you like. Uh,
0: Leonardo Sigali, mm-hmm. and I don't know people's first names, Piovi? Gonzalo. Gonzalo Piovi, thank you. Uh, both from Racing as well, as the right and left-sided centre-backs in a back three, with Christian Lema of Newell's in the middle. Uh, the midfield is Matias Ojeda, Facundo Cristaldo, Brian Aleman and Sebastián Bicha. Somebody's not been paying attention to the news headlines. We're picking this very politically incorrect uh, team. Enzo you mean Fernandez. the
1: computer algorithm which put this team exactly, yes. together.
0: Uh, Enzo this uh, in the hole, and Julián Álvarez and... Uh, Gabriel Avalos of Argentinos Juniors mm. um, that is to say Julian Alvarez of, of River and Gabriel Avalos of Argentinos Juniors uh, up front I, I mean I've not paid a hell of a lot of attention but I think I can think of at least one or two names that i probably move around there what do you reckon? Yeah I mean
1: from Racing's point of view uh, Lionel Miranda would have to be there he's probably been Racing's best player by a fair distance over the first part of this year yeah Uh,
0: I'd be inclined to go with Prediger rather than Cristaldo as well in the field.
1: Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what Cristaldo is doing there, but then again, no one has ever watched uh, an Oreccan game uh, this season, or at least admitted to it. So it's completely unprovable that he's been good.
0: And it's no surprise to anybody who's got this live score app and actually watches matches while looking at player ratings from it that Mm. uh, it's all over the bloody place and has nothing to do with actually how they've played for the most part. Um, but yeah, I mean, two of the players uh, who I think uh, quite indisputably are there are Enzo Fernandez and Julian Alvarez. And while River did go out in the quarterfinals, it would be a little bit churlish of us not to mention them. In particular, Julian Alvarez. he's had a good week. Because we well, were supposed to be, Wednesday, at yes. least. We were supposed to be talking about Rassing's nail-biting Sudamericana situation. It's just
1: got nail-biting in the last five minutes it has, yeah, uh, um, and uh, rib- I don't appreciate it. I'm trying to contain Europe myself. Uh,
0: if Dan sounds a little bit distracted it's because we're recording during <sighs> the Racing match uh, and, which he was almost at yeah. before I uh, messaged him on Monday um, and which uh, Racing need to draw to go through in mm-hmm. the Copa Sudamericana because of course only one team go through in this, from each Sudamericana group. Uh, the first half very very comfortable indeed for Racing they at home to Riber of Uruguay uh, and as Dan says in the last five minutes or so Riber have actually started looking like they have seen this spherical thing that they're chasing around mm. the pitch before and have an idea of what to do with it and that they're supposed to be finding the other people on the pitch who are in the same colour shirts as them Most and, welcome. and they just up. almost scored another goal um, it is still nil nil, so for the moment Racing are through but there are still 31 minutes to go and it's going to be entertaining for all of you listening to Dan's reactions. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we were supposed to be concentrating on things like this. We were supposed mm. to be... I mean, I guess we weren't going to talk in too much detail about Bocca's situation because of the fact that by the time this goes online, it will have happened already. So there's no point in going into a lot of preview detail of it. And the, the rest of the Libertadores situation. Um, and we weren't supposed to be spending that much time on River Plate of Argentina's uh, dead rubber last of the group stage, mm-hmm. just win it by more than two goals so that you get to finish second in the overall uh, group standings and therefore get a home draw against everybody else apart from Palmeiras for the rest of the tournament. And then Julian Alvarez to the all-time Copa Libertadores record of six goals in a single game at home to Alianza Lima. Uh, and on River's sorry. birthday, no less. On on the anniversary and Argentina's sort of birthday. Yes, indeed, and Seba Garcia's birthday. Indeed, if anybody wants to uh, tweet him happy birthday. Um, Man City have got quite a good player, haven't they? Pains me to say it.
1: Yes, they do. They really do. Um, He's been sort of streaky this year. That said, um, he hasn't quite been as as um, as scintillating in front of goal as he was in the second half of 2021. Um, he's still got a fair few because he plays for a river. River create 20 chances in every single game. Yeah. So, law of averages, he's going to put one away at least every three matches. Um, but uh, he does have this knack when he gets his eye in, in a particular match, he just fills his boots. Um, we were saying just before uh, recording, he got something like, uh, four or five against Sarmiento, not three or four weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, four against Patronato. He's had another couple of hat tricks. Um, he scored
0: a hat trick in the first match of the year, I think, didn't he? Right after we were talking s- in the preview. Second, second
1: match after the Union defeat, it would yeah. have been. Yeah. Um, so when he gets, you know, when he's in the scoring mood, he just bangs him in. Um, and the key is going to be, um, you know, kind of. Getting that bit more experience, getting the maturity, I think, the coolness in front of the goal to take that first chance. And then it seems like once he's got that first goal, everything just comes automatically. Yeah, um, well,
0: we'll talk a bit more about him in particular later, because we have had a listener's question about it. Excellent. Um, but River themselves, first of all, I think a very good example of what you're saying about this when he gets that early goal he's on fire thing is that if you look at the stats as you said River are quite used to creating 20 odd shots a match mm. they actually didn't create many more shots than they have been doing in most matches with mm. them, with that kind of golfing quality all year so far 26 shots, 16 on target and in most of those matches they've scored 3 or 4, 2 yeah. you know, opposing goalkeepers has been man of the match or something so for them to score 8 uh, the other ones were scored by Santiago Simon and Elias Gomez. Um, Gomez, is, I think, was my favourite one of the night, actually. He really caught hold of it very nicely. Um, it, it does show that he is perhaps a little bit streaky, or at least he has been mm. streaky this year. But you, you had that statistic about him having scored 18 of his 50 goals in... In four, four matches, games, something. yeah. Something like that. Um, yeah, but from Rivers' point of view, obviously... One thing that we learned, I think it was, it's it's been obvious for some time, but Man City announced it a few days ago. I think that they were definitely taking him now. I think Di yeah. um gave a press conference after the after City won the league, maybe where they where he said that they wanted him for the preseason, and he wasn't going to be loaned. He's not going to be loaned next year to anybody. Uh, he's going to be staying at City, uh, which I think will be is, around for the last sixteen. Yeah, of he's going to be going after the second leg of the last sixteen yeah. tie. Um, which means that River have got to find a replacement for the second half. Yes, that would be because useful. Up to this point, I mean, as we said at the beginning of the year, really, mm. so far, you'd have to look at River and say they they need to play themselves into shape a little bit, maybe, but they're among the contenders to win the Libertadores. Ah, oh, so if you take Julian Alvarez out of that side, they look much less threatening.
1: Indeed. Um, and one of the players who's been linked with them kind of most consistently over the last few weeks, you know, I'm not going to delve too deep into transfer rumours because we don't like them at Handapod but it's a player I like a lot Taddy Gatishanos who is at New York City FC Um, he started off at City Torque in Montevideo and he's He's also a Manchester City player, I guess. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. It's not anything to do with them
0: maybe throwing River a bone to make up for taking Alvarez off
1: them. I don't think so. I think it's just a chance to... Because he's almost never played in Argentina. He's still a young lad, 22, 23. He is Argentine, though, right? He is Argentine, yeah. yeah. Um, and he finished MLS champion, MLS champion with New York last year. He was their star striker, top scorer. Had a really, really good season. I think he even he scored... At least one in the final, maybe even a couple. And just a very, very good, quick, direct striker who would fit in very well with uh, with what River uh, want to do. So he's going to be, by all indications, their kind of top uh, top target over the next few months or weeks. Yeah, the other but not- probably what they need to work on the most is defence, right? Because yeah. they've been very, very ropey. Yeah, like as times. Andres has
0: uh, explained to us a few times, Palo Diaz, especially at the back, is not uh, up to the standard. But, you know, we've had a few conversations about that. The other name mm. that I've seen, which would be interesting, but I'm not sure it's really what they need up front, is Alexis Sanchez. <laughs> um, it would
1: be interesting. I I'd, have, love to, you know, I'd love to see it.
0: For the avoidance of, of doubt, while obviously as a Manchester <laughs> United fan, uh, he is a long way from being my mm. favourite player. I have no doubt that he would when he's fit to play shit all over the Argentine league from a great height Um, but I suspect oh dear River Plate have just scored their ninth goal of this week Mm. uh, except that this is not the River Plate who scored eight last night it's uh, River Plate of Uruguay and that puts Racing into a sticky situation now Um, but yeah Sanchez would be I, I can't really see what's in it for River other than the PR boost of bringing back, player, yeah, that's you know, it. I think a it player from. I mean, not it even falls no into the, the same category
1: as Cavani to right? Just um, yeah, always nice to have these links. Who knows how um, how how true they can be? But
0: I guess the what this has got, which Cavani to doesn't have, is the fact that Sanchez did play for River before, albeit for what six months or something to me on, on loan from Udinese. Um so, with Melgar currently drawing 1-1 against Cuyama, Jesus
1: Christ this podcast this is going to get mean. very sweary intense indeed yeah. <laughs> if you've got any
0: children listening to this with you you might want to just block their ears now they? well block your ears up. as it stands I've still got racing top of the group here though as it stands yeah. with them
1: um, but if Melgar go back in the lead they go top
0: on ah yeah if they yes. score another goal then they'll have the same goal difference but they'll have scored more goals yeah. yeah, they've scored 9. Yeah, there's basically no way
1: Racing can lose, Mogga can win, and Racing can still go through. Uh-huh. They will have a an inferior. So sure we can't do
0: split screen on this, then, really, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I think the other one's on DirecTV or something. Uh, uh, let's well, of just... course, it's the Sudamericani, yeah, yeah. so we only
0: got the Argentine teams on ESPN. Um, really? Anyway, Shit. yeah, River have got a dilemma for the second half of the year. Mm. Uh, it's going to be tricky. They're, they're, they're bound to bring somebody in. I mean, they're not going to try to play the rest of the Libertadores with Brian. No, I mean, maybe. I got the money to do it,
1: especially if uh, Inza Fernandez goes, which I think possibly would be an even greater loss because he has been River really for the for this first half of the season. Immense, isn't it? Just, it's just so
0: good. Dan and I were talking about this before we started recording and saying that, or I was saying to Dan, I should say um, that. Uh, so, if anybody thinks this is stupid, then you know it's my fault. Um, mm. If I was Man City right now, then I I would... I I could see some value in leaving Julian Alvarez at River until after the World Cup. Don't, you know, make him upheave his life. That's not a verb, but you know what I mean. Um, Move to a different country and then go off to the World Cup and then come back and everything. But at the same time, they obviously want him to have the the pre-season. And with Fernandes, it really depends on who signs him. But obviously City have also been very heavily linked with him. Man United have been heavily linked with him although I don't think he's going to end up going there but from United's point of view if they did come in for him they're so desperate for midfielders that I think it would make sense for them to to bring him in but for anybody else it almost you kind of think yeah I mean you could you could almost use we Will let you play the second half of the year for him mm. as a, a a bit of a like some compensation for signing for us rather than our competition. We'll let you stay and try to win the Libertadores with River because that, according to his dad, is what he really wants to do. Uh, He's named Enzo after Francescoli. Right. This is an interesting thing, actually, that I did think. If he signed for Man United, he'd be squad mates with Zidane Iqbal, who I'm guessing, (laughs) I haven't actually looked this up, but I'm guessing he's named after Zinedine Zidane. He'd have to be, right, yeah. Zinedine Zidane's son is named Enzo, Enzo after yeah. Enzo Francescoli Indeed. so, is, so you'd then, there'd be a sort of a, a bit of a pub quiz question though. you'd have to think about how to phrase it kind of
1: six degrees of separation yeah. in football idol names yeah. Uh,
0: the long and short of it is that I really want him to sign for Man United and suspect <sighs> he's not going to because that would show foresight and clear planning on the part of the people in charge of Manchester United's transfers Indeed. Uh, which they don't have but anyway <laughs> fantastic midfielder whoever does buy him is going to be getting a fantastic midfielder for the next 10 years so congratulations yes. Man City uh, for that signing that you've not yet made but presumably <laughs> will um, on that note should we take a half time break let's and then come back and do some other talk I don't know what about
1: uh, we've got the finalissima coming up we have Yeah. We I think have, we have a question is, on it is
0: that going to be before the next
1: Wednesday the 1st so unless we oh that's next Wednesday yes <laughs>
0: We shall see. Right then, don't go away. further goals while we've been away. Racing still trail River de Uruguay 1-0. And we should go over the week's other uh, continental matches so far. It is the 26th. uh, Oh, right, yes. This is the week that we're looking for. Uh, For Argentine teams in the Copa Sudamericana, first of all, Banfield had two men sent off and drew 1-1 away to Santos. On Tuesday, Uh, both goals in the first half for that one. Marcos Leonardo and Nicolás Domingo equalised in stoppage time at the end of the half. That means that Banfield are out of the Copa Sudamericana. Uh, They finished on five points, bottom of Group C. Santos are the team who go through. Remember, in the Sudamericana, only the first-placed team in each group qualify uh, for the second round because the third place teams from the Copa Libertadores groups mm-hmm. dropped down into the Sudamericana to make up the last sixteen because on I mean, Because why not? That's just yeah. Stupid. Copa anyway. Europe. Um other Argentine results in the Sudamericana, Lanus beat Metropolitanos of Caracas, one nil on was this last night or the night before? <coughs> <laughs> last night 30. I believe. Last night. Diego Brasieri with the only goal of the game, six minutes into the second half. And that means that Lanús have topped Group A Uh, on 11 points. They go through two points clear of Barcelona Sporting Club. Um, Next Argentine side down, Independiente, who on what night? Wednesday night, lost 2-0 in the Estadio Libertadores de America. Sorry, the Estadio Ricardo Bocchini. Um, as it is now called. I feel like we forgot to mention that when it happened. Um, 2-0 at home to... Serra? C- Serra? I, I don't really know how it's pronounced in Brazilian Serra, Or indeed in any form of Portuguese. And as a result of that match, Serra uh, topped the group. Uh, going into the match, Serra was three points clear of Independiente, so Independiente, had they won, could have got level-on points... They had, they had to, to win 2-0. They had to win by two goals, yes, of course, to, to overturn the goal difference. Trying to work out what the goal difference of both clubs would have been before the match. Um, and they lost by two goals. So, Independiente are out. They finished second in Group mm. G. Um, and now, of course, right now, we've got Racing versus River. We will let you know what happens with that one and with the group. At the moment, there have been no further goals in Melgar versus Cuiabat either. So, as it stands, in spite of losing at home... Racing are going through, but we will fill you in. And in the other group, which is Group H, uh, Union play Atletico Junior later this evening. They're no, um, the only two
1: teams with a chance of going through, I believe. No,
0: they're not. Fluminense could. Oh, Fluminense. Do it. Fluminense. They would need to absolutely thrash Oriente Petrolero, uh, but if they did so buy enough goals and Union versus Junior de Barranquilla finishes in a draw.
1: They have to win by Let's yeah, see, that's
0: six plus six, so they'd need to win by six yeah, plus six five goals, I think, right? Um, uh no, right. If they win five nil and this finishes nil nil, then they'll be level on goals scored as well. So it's yeah, six goals to make sense And then it level. goes
1: down to Comniwal seedings, I believe. No. Uh away goals. I think it's the yes, next yeah. Which I
0: don't know. So Who has got the better away guys? It's probably not going to happen. Um, you'll, you'll know what's happened. You can look up on your live score what's happened uh, by the time you hear this anyway. <laughs> uh, in the Copa Libertadores we've already talked about River Plate's training session against uh, Alianza Lima um, on Wednesday night. The other matches cast your minds back to the opening round of matches cool. in the Copa Libertadores group stage. And you might remember that Estudiantes thrashed Vélez-Sarsfield 4-1. Mm. 4-1 or 4-0? I think it was 4-1, 4-1. wasn't it? Uh, in La Plata. Um, to leave us wondering whether Vélez oh, that... were going to make it out of the second... Uh, the, uh, into the second round, I should say. Not out of the second round. Uh, well, Vélez did make it into the second round, courtesy of thrashing Estudiantes in Liniers. I I did. Did. It was a basically an Estudiantes under-20 team or something, because Estudiantes were already through. Uh, They won 4-0. It was a pretty... I mean, you know, with the rider that I've just given it, um, a pretty good performance from Vélez as well. I I enjoyed it. Uh, Lucas Hanson scoring twice before the break. Lucas Prato scoring a nicely taken third goal. And Abiel Osorio scoring the fourth for Vélez. That means that Group uh, C finishes with two Argentine sides through. Estudiantes are through, having scored 8 and conceded 5. Vélez are through, having scored 12 and conceded 11. Uh, <laughs> mm. 13 points for Estudiantes. Eight it's for Veles. been a rollercoaster for Vélez. Um, Nawel's
1: nursery teachers are Vélez fanatic. And she's been suffering through the whole thing. <laughs> she te- she's given me a blow-by-blow account of the entire campaign when I go to pick him up in the afternoon. Um, it's been a wild ride for Vélez this, uh, this start to the
0: season. It has, yeah. I'm just wondering what their... Um what the actual sequence of of results has been since uh, now now that it's done. Let's see. They lost 4-1 to Estudiantes. They drew 2-2 at home to Bragantino. Uh, Then they lost 2-1 at home to Nacional. So after three matches, they had one point. Um, Then they drew 1-1 away to Bragantino. So they had two points after four matches. Uh, Then they got that 3-2 win over Nacional two or three weeks ago uh, with a 94th minute winner from Maximo Perrone and now they've got this thrashing of Estudiantes to finish one point clear of Nacional in the end and of course the most important thing for the good of football is that the team sponsored by the Fizzy Energy drink are out of the commentators Libertadores yes. or as uh, the commentators called, it on, on, called them on Tuesday night the Liga Comercial de Bragantino um <laughs> So they're out. Uh, Estudiantes and Veles through from Group C. In Group uh, H, Tacheres got a 1-0 win over Universidad Católica of Chile, uh, which means that Tacheres are through to the next round, in second place in Group H behind Flamengo. Who would have seen that coming, eh? I think, I'd, did we not call it at the start of the year? Maybe at the start of the year, but then after how bad given,
1: they were for given much form, of yeah, the league season,
0: um, they really pulled it out in the end. They finished quite some way behind Flamengo, but they did, all the same, finish mm. uh, second. Well clear of Universidad Católica, as to be said. They'd already qualified before uh, this, this round of match. Oh, hang on, had they? They had eight points in Universidad f- Católica. F- yeah. Yeah. Racing up this missed another chance, you probably guessed. Uh, they had already qualified before that match took place, but uh, they cemented second place. Um, just going down Argentine Teams River obviously beat Alianza Lima Colón lost 2-1 last night to Peñarol they went 1-0 up through Facundo Farías yeah. half an hour in and then conceded twice in the second half once seven minutes into stoppage time there was a mm-hmm. fairly long delay to that at some point during the second half I didn't see why I just saw on this app that you know, there was the match got postponed or something for, for a while and then um, in the other match... In any case, Colón won. Yeah. Uh, and, and indeed won the, Sorry, they lost the match, but they won the group, is what I meant to say, uh, with a goal difference of zero, which is almost impressive. It is, yeah. Cerro Porteño um, uh, finished second, Olimpia go to the Sudamericana, and Peñarol finished bottom in spite of beating the team who had won the group.
1: I was going to say, Cerro did their, their arch rivals a bit of a favour there. Eh? Because if they just got a draw, Peñarol would have gone in the Sudamericana instead of Olimpia.
0: Oh yeah, of course, right, yeah. And, and Olimpia beat Cerro Porteño one 1-0 uh, away yeah. To, yeah, to claim that third spot. Um, the, other, no, the only other Argentine side in the Libertadores are Boca. And as we've already mentioned, they are playing, they're kicking off in four minutes' time. Mm. So I suspect, well in fact I, I'm going to ask Dan whether we can uh, turn straight over to that once the Racing game is over. Maybe um, even before, if Melgar get a goal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, just a reminder of the situation there for Boca. They are in Group E. Yes. Um, and they, as we already said, they need to beat Cali, basically, mm. don't they? They can they get through? If there's a draw. No, if there's a draw, they can't get through. Oh, I suppose they could if always ready, absolutely thrash Corinthians, but that's not going to happen. I um, think there's another debate to be had. Um, in light right. of these wow. results uh,
1: Independiente Petrolero or Alianza Lima which are the worst Copa Libertadores team in history
0: you reckon it's between those two?
1: it's I mean Independiente Petrolero definitely are um, are up there yeah I mean they're,
0: they're, one they have one point
1: from six games three six scored and conceded. 26 goals conceded um, but then again they're like new to the tournament Alianza are supposed to be you know Giants of their country. the giants of Peru and that and
0: they were just absolutely dreadful. In fairness, we have we talked before the break about uh, what a a fine player Julian Alvarez is capable mm. of being on his day, and I suspect he's going to go on to just be a very fine player over the course of his career. Um, and Alianza Lima's it's unflattering four goals scored, sixteen conceded, mm. but that does mean that they, they conceded half of their goals. Last night in a match that meant, I mean, relaxing for River, mm. um, but, you know, they had the motivation, I guess, of wanting to win at home on their anniversary, yeah. and also meant absolutely nothing to Alianza Lima, because they were already guaranteed to finish bottom of the group. Indeed. Uh, and you
1: could probably make the argument that Alianza had the tougher group, I mean, uh, apart from Parameiras, yeah you had Emelec and Deportivo
0: Tachira. Yeah.
1: It wasn't exactly fearsome, and and yet it ended very badly for Independiente Lena. I don't think so, it's a
0: coincidence that both of them are in the groups with the two top seeds now for the knockout group. No. You know, the, the knockout stage. Um, just a reminder that the knockout stage is no longer 1st versus 16th, 2nd versus 15th, and so on from the all-of-the-group-winners-versus-all-of-the-group-runners-up thing. They will... Um, there is a draw for the Libertadores knockout stage, but it will still be that all of the teams who top the group will be seeded. And the standings are such that they work out who's got the most points, who's got the best goal difference if two teams will level on points. And the team who are first, at the standings, which is guaranteed to be Palmeiras, will have all of their matches at home. Right. So River now have... have a guaranteed second place in those standings which means that unless River get put up against Palmeiras in the quarters or the semi-finals uh, they will play all of their matches at home. Palmeiras are the only... Fuck! What's that there, Dan. Which means... They go
1: top and for now Racing are going out of the Copa Sur and I'm going to be in a very bad mood for the rest of this recording. Indeed. Oh, so, uh, we...
0: Uh, we'll apologise... For that, or uh, alternative, you might find it really entertaining. (laughs) Who knows? Um, There's still time for a late one, right? Let's see, let's see. Written in the stars, surely. (laughs) Has to be. Uh, Other stuff to mention before we go on to listeners' questions. Ah, that was what I wanted to to say. Uh, The River fans will be interested to hear as well that the remodelling of the Monumental is underway. They've taken up the tarpaulin. If you were watching... Uh, the other night on a stream anywhere, you might have noticed that the sponsors' logos on those uh, that, that were covering the um, well, what will be the lower seating areas no longer show the sponsors logos, it's just a big tarpaulin top, top, much less pretty looking uh, but that's because they're now taking it up between matches and, and starting to install the or pour the concrete or something that they're going to be installing the seats mm-hmm. onto, so that's going to be around three sides of the stadium at first, and the plan I think from what I read, is to open it. They're hoping to have it up to capacity like next February huh? and then add in the fourth stand in the middle of next year or something. But they're trying to do it in a manner that means that they don't have to close the stadium for any matches. Yeah. Um, so there's that. And now, should we go on to listeners' questions? Let's. David Novoshevsky tweeted us, what's the general feeling among the public in Argentina re the Italy match? Do people care, by and large, or do they see it as a money grab? Hope you're all well.
1: I mean, I think it's been overshadowed somewhat these last weeks because we had the end of the, to- the uh, Copa Liga tournament. We've had, we had we got the Libertadores. We've got all sorts of fun and games going on. But now, once these last Libertadores games are over and we've got no football, it's definitely going to be uh, the focus of attention. And I think it's a very good game for Argentina. It's their... First game against European opposition since Germany in September 2019. Hmm. Which I think in itself makes it very valuable because you finally get to measure up against a team which may not be in the World Cup out of, you know, pretty much a fluke. No! <laughs> Put it in the fucking head! I can't believe I'm
0: it. I'm not sure I would have stayed out. No. As you were saying... Um, yeah, they, they they get some European opposition to to take on. Um, I'm feeling very much like been, Italy at the
1: moment, I must say.
0: I'm sure, yeah. Um, it's it's not been sort of... Uh, no one's going in on it particularly big. We did almost get the wonderful piece of trivia of Marco Senesi becoming the first player ever to be named in two different squads for the same match because he was called up by Lionel Scaloni and there were very strong rumours indeed that he was about to be called up uh, by Roberto Mancini for the he match did, as well. He has
1: confirmed that he got a call from Mancini. He got a call, but yeah. he wasn't
0: actually included nah. in the list. So unfortunately, uh, that doesn't You're not quite... Uh, no, I, I wouldn't be able to ask a, a question about yeah. it in a pub quiz. Because it's just not... It, it was never official at any point, yeah. in spite of what Santi tried to tell us on the WhatsApp group. <laughs> um but it would have been good fun I, I mean obviously be. he got the call from Mancini and told Mancini that he wanted to play for Argentina <laughs> uh, it's not his first call up for Argentina he was called up he was in one of the um, long lists for a couple yeah. of double headers yeah there. I remember he's seeing his co- name there or thereabouts but I don't think he actually I don't think he made the shorts mm, the possibly model, not the squad basically or if he did then he didn't get off the bench or, or make a match day squad um, <laughs> but we'll see what happens now he's apparently had a pretty good season for Feyenoord odd, yeah right Not yes Correct. Um, but yeah overall it'll be good fun I, I don't think anybody's really treating it as anything more than a friendly they will do if Argentina win obviously yeah the trophy. trophy and I quite like it as, as a you know bit of a football history nerd it's yeah. a bit of a shame that we haven't previously had a challenge match between the European and South American champions in the same way as they've always, well, they used to be between the...
1: Yeah, actually, it's the first of um, champions. The first of many.
0: I think that's the idea. Yeah. Uh, but whether... Oh! It's always difficult to tell whether they're just saying that or whether it's really true, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but then again, we have now got this office being set up in London, haven't we, between UEFA mm. and CONMEBOL to work together on things, so... You know, probably. Uh, We're now two and a half minutes into stoppage time and Rassing have a corner. Uh, Not just scored. Shall we wait and see what happens with the corner before we move on to the next listeners' question? (laughs) Jesus. I hope you're enjoying this real-time action of two people silently waiting for a corner to be taken on television.
1: It's going to take it any time now. Any moment now. There we go. And it comes to nothing, but it might come out, and
0: it comes back. Oh, <laughs> fuck. fuck! Uh, Lee Bartlett says, Huracan massive. I may have been drinking. I'm not sure what this is in reference to. Any ideas? I mean, they have a big stadium, maybe. They do. It's a very, yeah, very nice one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, thanks for that, Lee. Uh, Tommy Wendia says, Which clubs do you think could surprise some people in the league this year? It's a bit of a tricky one to answer because it's almost not going to feel like a surprise because we've just had the Copa de la Liga. So it's not like anybody's mm. coming up into the top flight completely fresh. I mean, Tigre have already surprised us, right? They came up six months ago. They reached the final yeah. the Copa de la Liga. Um, Whether anybody's going to be able to have an impressive enough winter transfer window to then... You think it's, it's going to be the fairly subdued the, across the board. Yeah. Um, I, I would think that given their Libertadores group Performance, as you mentioned, Tasheris are probably the one who got the best chance of putting in a, a making a big of doing something a Copa bit better than their... than what they did before, yeah. Exactly. Possibly. Um but beyond that, I don't know.
1: Don't know. Um you think Racing Estudiantes after being so so impressive in the uh, in the Copa, especially now Racing won't have of to to distract them, by the looks of things, hmm. oh. um, they should be up there with Abakor, obviously. Um, I think Defensive DC tend to do very well in the kind of in the long format because generally over the space of twenty five games, you know, they make their very good team tell. Yeah, true. Um, and we'll see. Like we we'll have to see what happens with uh, San Lorenzo in the latest kind of renewal um, they've got a, a club favourite as coach now in Ruben Ruben Dario Inzua. Mm. Um, Do we know anything
0: about him as a manager?
1: He's one of those guys he's kind of like always around without making a huge amount of impression I think um, I couldn't tell you
0: much about him mm. I think that's I, I certainly yes. think that you're right Shit. <laughs> San Lorenzo of the big names, especially, it would be the most surprising if they did well. Uh, that's full time, and unfortunately, I don't think Melgar have yet gone to full time, but they have scored a third goal. Yeah, so they've got no, two. The oh, um, so hard lockdown. Sorry,
1: that was unbelievable. I must. Say, <laughs> um, let me see the final statistics: seventy-four, twenty-six possession, twenty-seven shots to seven, ten. 10- Shots on target. To Rivers four, all of which came in what about ten minutes? Felt mm. like it. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we got bockered again, basically. Uh, yeah. Shit. Oh well,
0: this, we're gonna have to go out and and win the league now. Then I suppose. There you go. That's that's your yeah. surprising club. Racing are gonna win another league title. Uh, Guy Trengo says dark horses this time. Oh, okay, that's basically the same question. Um, Sorry, guy. We, we sort of just answered that, so we'll move on to the next one. Uh, Stephen Hooley says, how do you think Julian Alvarez will fare in his first season in the Premier League? Um, he's not going to play that much, I imagine, right? I wouldn't have thought that Guardiola is going to go to two up front with him and Haaland. No, no, no.
1: I'm, but I mean saying that, City play so many games and use so many players that he will play uh, if he shows that he's good enough. Yeah. And I think he, he can bad. be good enough. Um, he might need a bit of time to, um, to get in the swing of things. But...
0: <clears throat> I mean, the, the, the talk that, that I saw earlier, <coughs> as I said, I read this story from some Argentine outlet saying that he's definitely not going to be staying at River for the second half of the year. City have apparently told... The, the report was saying Barcelona wanted him on loan but Mm. then it was saying that somebody at City had said we're not (laughs) going to be loaning him to anywhere in Europe and these rumours that Barcelona have asked for him aren't true. So he's not going to be loaned anywhere else out in Europe. They want him training. And it's also supposedly the case that if they do loan any of their forwards out, Gabriel Jesus Jesus, (laughs) will be the one to be loaned out. Which does suggest that they very much want Alvarez in and around. The squad, yeah, you think um, so, yeah, to use him as a rotation option and whatnot.
1: I mean, the good thing about being at City is even if he doesn't hit the ground running in his first season, which is often very difficult to do, mm. it's not like he's gonna have a whole amount of pressure in him to succeed because there's yeah. six other players around him who can. He can fill in and take the weight. So
0: yeah, exactly. Although you could argue that that's a bit more pressure because if he actually wants playing time, he's got to step up to a higher level. But yeah, but he'll get so, playing time. Um, he'll get it in his first Premier League season. I'd expect him to get a fair few substitute appearances. I'd expect him to start against the relegation fodder teams, if you want, if you like, mm-hmm. um, and to probably score a few goals. I, I would expect him to end the season. Obviously, he's a, a, a club who are far more likely to win the league. Mm. Um, but in terms of how people are going to be seeing him, maybe something like how Brighton fans are looking at Alexis McAllister. Mm. That kind mm. of... Or, or rather, were looking at Alexis McAllister a year ago when he'd been there for... Just finished his first full season, maybe? Because he joined in the middle so, of the yes. pandemic. He joined yes. right, right before the pandemic was announced, and the season had to be cut, I think. Um, so I would expect City fans to have had a very good handle and, and to have a very good opinion of him by that point. Uh, but I doubt that he's going to be playing ahead of Erling Haaland. Uh, in, in the, uh, I mean, it's uh, a tough
1: challenge, yeah.
0: But yeah, I mean, clearly City want him because Guardiola has a very specific way of playing and he's going to want him... it, it would prefer to have him training every week and trained in that yeah. system than bring him in and then loan him out to another club who aren't going to be... Training him with the same methods or, or, or to play the same tactics at all. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, I mean, I, I think he's going to be a big success in the Premier League. As I said back in January when it was announced the City had signed him, I was thoroughly annoyed uh, at the time that Man United had been so closely linked with him and then didn't end up signing mm-hmm. him and that he signed for City of all clubs. <laughs> I was even more annoyed when Ra- Ralph Rangnick gave that press conference a couple of weeks ago saying that actually, yes the interest was very real indeed, and Man United decided not to sign him because they were changing manager. I mean, what manager would not want to work with with a player like Julian Alvarez? And yeah, also the so fact yeah. that unless you end up... Unless Eric Ten Hag actually does turn out to be the next Alex Ferguson, Julian Alvarez is going to be at Man City for longer than whoever Man United's new manager was going to be. You'd imagine so, yeah. Um, uh, I'm not a betting man, but I would... Um that's where my said, money it's, goes it's the same attitude I would take now to Enzo Fernandez is just never mind what the incoming guy thinks sign him give him a 10 year contract and you've got a fantastic player tied down for the next okay maybe not 10 years but you know for the next 8 before he starts agitating for a move somewhere else Absolutely whatever. um I I can't see how that doesn't make sense but apparently it didn't who knows And Liam Kelly who is no relation to me says ah thank you for reminding us of this one Liam I did want to discuss this, uh, and I really hope it happens, and it's not got anything to do with Man United signing Argentines. Josh Windas, to Tacheres, ah. could happen, would be an experience to see someone from England play in Argentina. I'm a Sheffield Wednesday fan, so I hope he stays. Um, obviously, we're not Sheffield Wednesday fans, Liam, and from our point of view, it would be lovely to see an Englishman in the top flight in Argentina. Indeed, It be the first one in over a century. Is he any relation to Dean? Because that's the... Yeah, he's his son. Alright, oh, Yeah. Um, the talk is... I thought is... so, because like, it would be weird to have two professional windasses, right? It would, yeah. For uh, who aren't <laughs> <I'm> related. <laughs> uh, the, the talk is, so Pedro Caixinha, Taixeira's Portuguese manager, who we've mentioned a couple of times already uh, since he was appointed, had windass at Rangers. Yes. Um, and so, apparently, Tachera's interest is genuine. I think the vice president or something went on record as saying mm-hmm. when we're in Buenos Aires at the weekend, I can't remember who, they, why they're in Buenos Aires this weekend, but they are, you know, like, a, not the team, but the directors or whatnot, yeah. uh, they were going to have a few uh Maybe to travel to for the Luertadores game? Ah, maybe, ah, that might make sense, might not it? Uh, but, yeah, there were going to be some discussions had, and apparently, Windas thinks it would be interesting and be a life experience to come and play in Argentina and I mean it would it definitely would <laughs> it yeah absolutely I mean be Josh if you need
1: someone to show you around if you want to go on a moderately successful Argentine football English language podcast uh, just give us a
0: shout you know where the we most are. successful Argentine English English language Argentine football indeed podcast, yes even if we can't always get our words in the right order mm. um but yeah, obviously we've had another English player in Argentina quite recently. I can't remember his name, but the guy you interviewed who was in the lower division. Yes, divisions.
1: David Oloashi. Yes. It it's not that. Olo. He was at El Porvenir. That's right.
0: Yes. Uh, but he was in the lower divisions. Mm-hmm. And as far as I can, I've not looked into it. I've not like bust my balls looking into it. Uh, but I can't think of any other English players who've been in the top flight since, I mean... Basically, since Argentine clubs started winning the league with Kines and Rassing, yeah, know, like it's not something. Eleven, no. Um, there were probably a few uh, a few English-born players, or or at least sons of English-born people, people who would have been eligible for British passports, still winning or winning the league or playing in the top flight during the 1910s. But yeah. since about certainly the last hundred years, I very much doubt that there uh, that there have been. Well, so, you got the yeah. McAllister clan. Who must be Scottish. Yeah, but they're, the they're several generations back. Several I, generations I, I, I heard sense. an interview with um, Carlos McAllister, the the father, and he explained that it was like his grandfather or great-grandfather had mm. come over from Scotland, and it's just because it's always been the paternal line they happen to have kept the surname, basically.
1: Yeah. What about um, El Tata Brown, the light El Tata Brown? Do we know?
0: Oh, that's a good question. No, I can't think of that. But
1: maybe. he's a little bit. He was a little bit older, so possibly a grandparent. Yeah, mm, very much pushing it. But the
0: only other one that came to mind was uh, Diego Pochette's son, mm. who was obviously you all know Diego Pochette. he's yeah. Uruguayan. He played for Spurs. Uh, his son was born while he was playing for Real Saragossa, but they moved to England when he was when his son was very very young. I Can't remember his son's first name. Um, and his son is English. I mean, he's born right. in Spain, but he considers himself English. I actually mentioned this on the on the trivia group that I'm on on WhatsApp, and uh, one of the guys on there went to school with him. Said I can confirm that he is English. I.e., he that's how he thinks of himself. He's got a British passport, and he you know he, he's English rather than doesn't consider himself Spanish. Uh, and I can also confirm he's a massive cock, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which you know is really somebody who went to a, an English school and who's incredibly yeah. good at football. He's a complete dick. But I'm pretty sure. Uh, he was, uh, the reason I mention him is he was God eye Crucis a few years ago I don't think he made a first team appearance mm. and I'm 99% certain that if he ever did it would have been in the Copa Argentina rather than the league I don't think he ever turned out for mm. them in the league he was only there for about six months or something and uh, the other
1: one would have been uh, Voronson who was born in La Plata but spent the first four years or so of his life in England because he was born in 2000
0: oh okay Yeah. Yeah. the other one can uh, That one, yeah. Yeah, Deanne's the, the footballer yes. anyway, because the other one doesn't play. So, yeah. Hmm. Okay. But the other, surely Dan doesn't have a, any, a British passport. No. Nah.
1: Right? Oh, I couldn't imagine. I mean, not even Juan Sebastian Suat- has a European passport,
0: right? If we remember. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> well, <he laughs> like might have no, now. Late he, 90s he banter there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Liam's other question is Julian Alvarez is good at football, isn't he? Yeah. Yes. Yes, he is. Um, we're going to miss him when we can't mm. talk about him anymore. I mean, Dan might not, but... yeah, Not so much. Sure. But, I'll,
1: you know, I think you have been a bit unfair. i like to see the top talent play in Argentina. Always, because it
0: just makes everything a lot more fun to watch. That's fine. Quintero's yeah. staying, though. Right. The top talent's still going to be here.
1: We'll have to see what Enzo Copetti does.
0: Yes. Miss yeah, him yeah, tonight. Racing
1: did miss him tonight. He'll, he'll I do he was playing. But why um, he wasn't playing.
0: Oh. Those are all of our listeners' questions. I was about to say, and now Mystic Sam. But there is no Mystic Sam, because... Because there are no results. Why why would we bother with Mystic Sam when there are no matches coming up? Uh, There's nothing to preview this weekend. Uh, I was thinking that we were going to have next weekend off... uh, Next week, sorry, off, and then record the week after to preview the league. But the fixtures came out. Oh, maybe we can very quickly mention this, right? Uh, The fixtures came out earlier today, and it turns out that they are starting the league season at the end of next week. So we will be recording next week to preview the league. Um, Round one... Union vs. Tigre, Barracas Central vs. Central Córdoba, Boca vs. Arsenal, Banfield vs. Newell's San Lorenzo, Independiente, an all-big-five clash, Tacheres, Sarmiento, Argentinos vs. Aldo Cibi, Estudiantes vs. Gimnasia is the outstanding fixture of the first round of matches, and answers our question, or the question I was half-asking myself before we started recording, about whether there's going to be a round of Clásicos in this league season. That loud pop was uh, some of Dan's ice just yeah. defrosting, by the way. Um... So yeah, there's not going to be a round of Clásicos because Estudiantes are playing Gymnasia in the first weekend. Patronato play Vélez, Platense host Godoy Cruz. Um, Racing play Huracán, Rosario Central host Lanús, Defensi justicia versus river and Atletico Tucumán versus Colón. Uh, the season will be finishing on the 23rd of October, which is about a month before the World Cup begins. Because, I mean, I'd like to go off on a big geopolitical ramp here but you all know why the World Cup's being played in November and uh, you know you all know how I feel about it uh, or if you don't then you can probably guess from what I just said um, and yeah we'll go over the rest of the stuff the situation with the relegation with international qualification and all the rest of it next week when we preview the season Perfect. for now thank you very much indeed for listening and goodbye from English Town. goodbye and from me and keep listening because I will let you know what the score is between uh, Boca and, um, who are they playing? Deportivo Cali. I was looking at that and thinking, I wanted to say Always Ready, because Corinthians have just gone 1-0 up against Always Ready, um, sure. according to my phone. I'll let you know what the score of this match is after this music. Goodbye for now. Two results to tell you about uh, Boca got the result that they needed in the Copa Libertadores, they beat uh, Cali 1-0 with a goal early in the second half, which I think we mentioned while we were recording the main episode. Uh, As a result of that, quite funnily really, given the uh, tribulations that we were discussing earlier, they've won the group because Corinthians were held 1-1 in São Paulo by Always Ready So Boca go through as Group E winners with 10 points. Corinthians finish second with nine. And Deportivo Cali drop into the Copa Sudamericana. And speaking of the Sudamericana, Tony will be happy because Union are through as well. They managed a 4-0 win away to Atletico Junior. Um, The really funny news, though, in that same group, is that Fluminense, in their match against Oriente Petrolero, they were 4-1 up after 17 minutes, and they eventually won... 10-1 away from home, and they're out uh, because they ended up with a point fewer than Unión. And as we were discussing earlier, with Dan, uh, only the top teams in each group in the Sudamericana go through. So Unión finish on 12 points, uh, 10 goals scored, two conceded. Fluminense on 11 with 15, four and five against. Junior finish on 10 points with 10 goals scored and eight against and Oriente have finished with three goals scored and 23 goals conceded, and no points. Uh, So, while there was some debate about the worst team in this year's Libertadores earlier, I think we all know who the worst team in the Sudamericana are. But welcome, uh, or welcome? No, well done, Union, and goodbye for now. Thanks for listening.